Eat, drink, smoke, or eat the fine food, drink the fine bourbon, smoke the fine cigars. No social distancing here. Although we are actually six feet apart. Well done, Tony Katz. That's a fingers Malloy. Should we be open as a country is the top conversation in America. And I can't figure out why it's become a partisan, angry conversation. It doesn't even make any sense. People are so ready to be vicious, so convinced that their point of view is the only point of view, that when you see protesters out there, there are people writing that the protesters are just there to mock the dead. I swear to you this happened. I am not making this up. Then you've got the CNNs of the world saying, oh, the protesters, they're just supported by billionaires and all AstroTurf like the Tea Party. You haven't heard the term AstroTurf since the Tea Party, and it was a lie then. I don't know why we can't have a conversation like grownups. The science tells us that the science doesn't have the answer yet. They don't have an answer. So do we just wait for them to have an answer? Because that could take years to come to. This is the conversation. If you don't know what the answer is, which is to say you don't know what's actually going to keep people safe, or you don't know whether or not or how this thing spreads, there's a whole story that sunlight kills coronavirus. So we're sitting outdoors right now. We're our Casa de Fingers. And then there's people who say, oh, yeah, sunlight doesn't do anything to coronavirus. Well, fantastic. So glad we had this conversation. People don't know. So should we stay in our homes? But we, we're drinking just like the rest of America is. And Fingers Malloy says to me, I'm literally cradling this like it's a long lost puppy. He says to me, Tony, I have got a treat for you. My dad, you want to tell the story? It's sure. your father. My dad used to get, uh, he was a sales rep and he used to get uh, people, you know, suppliers who would send him uh, boxes, crates of liquor and he saved them. And so uh, about a year ago, he gave me a lot of old bottles of whiskey, of gin. I've got tons of, uh, I've got like six or seven old bottles of wine, which, you know, it's table wine. It's not the best wine in the world, but unfortunately, it wasn't stored properly. Was it so, stored up, down, not sideways? Uh, it was st- stored sideways, but not in a temperature controlled environment. Right, okay. So it was in a room that sometimes would get up to 80 degrees. So, uh, you know, it, the, the wine's not going to be good. So I don't know what to do with that. Uh, but well, I've, try it, clearly. <laughs> but I, I've got uh, this bottle of Seagram's <laughs> from 1979. It still has a tax ribbon on it. Okay, so it's it's Seagram's VO Canadian uh, whiskey, uh, right? Uh, it's a, it's a six year old Canadian. Uh, funny thing is, staring at this bottle, there is no proof on the bottle. There's no proof on right. the bottle anywhere. So I'd have to look up to see what the the alcohol by volume is. But the best part, it literally, I'm afraid to open it. (laughs) It has on it, so it covers the cap. Like from one side, it comes up the bottle to the cap, goes across the cap and then down. It's the original excise stamp from Canada from 1979. And on the side, I don't know where your dad got it. There is a stamp that says Texas State Tax Paid Liquor. Well, there you go. Right? So was your father ever in Texas? No, but I, it may have been purchased in Texas and shipped to Michigan. That could have happened. I, I guess. But this, I, we should probably take a picture of that before you open it's it. It's literally, <laughs> like, I'm, I'm afraid to. It's in perfect, perfect, perfect condition. This bottle is, am- all right, maybe the label right here is a bit a bit uh, stunted on the, on the, on the coloring. 
I'm afraid to do it. Never mind that I don't want to drink what's inside at all. In any way, shape, or form. But I have to do it for America. Absolutely. The bottle's too cool. The original stamp and the, and the Texas stamp, it's insane. That is... Now, I... I and I don't know. I don't. I don't know the last time I read Seagram's. I can't tell you if I ever actually have had Seagram's before. For what reason? Would like I was never going to get a seven and seven or anything like that, right? So I have no clue about it. But I had. You're really going to open it? Absolutely. It, it comes from your dad. Oh my god, he ripped it. I feel. Honest, I feel like the kid who just opened up the Star Wars toy that he found in his dad's closet. You want me to smell? Yeah, give it a... Take, give, give that a... Um, smells exactly like you think Seagram's would... <laughs> it's It smells like your uncle uncle's basement with the shag carpet is is everything that smells like, oh my gosh. Yeah, give it a pour. All right, didn't melt the glass right there. Uh, I did an interview with John Rich of uh, Big and Rich, and he does Redneck Riviera, which is a blended American whiskey, which is, it's very smooth, very easy, easy drinking whiskey. I'm in more and more questioning whether or not that's something that that Americans could go for. I mean, I think sometimes, you know, with bourbon, you actually have to get there, right? You have to build yourself up to to understanding bourbon. And I think that some of these blendeds are are really, really easy to do. So I, I wonder if stuff like this makes a comeback in any way, especially as you have a, a millennial class that they're drinking less. What they drink, they want to know where it's from. But more and more, they're pushing for bars that have craft cocktails that have no alcohol in them, which, all right, they just want to meet. They don't want the drink. I, I, I guess that's fine. I'm not going to tell them otherwise. But I'm just curious if somehow there's a comeback for this stuff. The nose on this is purely medicinal. There, there, is, there, is, there is not an actual flavor that you could note. You've got some cubes on yours. Are we ready? Got, got your ice too. You think, no, no, no. I think. Why would I ever ruin this with water? <laughs> I ask you, Fingers Malloy. Seagram 7 from 1979, just sitting in that bottle, waiting for you. You're on it. He's on it already, his Fingers Malloy. Hold on. Oh, he likes it. He's embarrassed that he likes it. He likes it. You're not going to believe how smooth that is. <laughs> It's a little medicinal, um, and I can't pick, I, I can't pick up what flavor notes it has, but it's really smooth. Hold on, let me. I'm gonna do this. I'm gonna do this right now. Here we go. Um, that's not bad at all. <laughs> I know you want to hate it, right? You're like, oh well. <laughs> that is a very very. It's actually it's actually nice. I, I, it's not caramel. I almost want to say it's a butterscotch. There's a touch of floral in my in my nose, uh, or, or in my palate. No, the nose is all medicinal. I'm seeing the caramel now. It, 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 it is. It is. It's got a syrupy sweet. Yeah. To it, but not like the cognac that we had. No, that's very very different. Oh, that's fun. I'm totally gonna do a cube now. I'm totally gonna do Look it. At my cigar. Uh, that's that's that's. Oh, you got your cigar got destroyed, man. But it's it's a it, in in its defense, it's a garbage cigar. Uh, that that is an acid from the people at Drew Estate, and that's a garbage cigar. We'll get cigars in just a few minutes. Protests all around the country. There were in Indianapolis, Columbus, Ohio. They were in Wisconsin. You saw Michigan Operation Gridlock is what is what they had everywhere. California had protests. This about wanting to open back up society. 
And it's asking the bigger question, were we right in shutting down society? It's not a question of whether or not we should have engaged social distancing or some of these other kinds of things regarding coronavirus and keep me apart. It doesn't mean that we shouldn't wear masks. I don't think wearing a mask makes you crazy. I don't think wearing gloves makes you crazy. I think we will see retail move to anything that's a retail world. You will wear a mask. That will be required. You will see the people at Costco shift from wearing the hairnets all over their beards to full on masks or or face shields and things like that. I think you're going to see that. I'm not necessarily opposed, right? There, there are these things that happen and there are these seismic shifts that take place. But shutting down society, I always thought was a bad idea. You can't save society by shutting it down. It doesn't make any sense. It's an illogical proposition as I see it. I'm not the only one. Now, there are people out there who believe, well, this is the only way to keep us all safe. The data doesn't show that. The data may show that keeping a distance from somebody means you won't get what they have and they won't get what you have. That is different than showing whether or not shutting it all down it was the same thing. So these protests take place across the country, and the protests are about telling governors to open it back up. And the, the reactions from media to these, to these protests, the CNN folk literally saying this is astroturfed. I was a Tea Party guy. It, from, from day one in Los Angeles. Fingers, you you were a Tea Party guy. Yeah. Um, I would argue that the Tea Party failed in trying to get the country to do less spending. The country does more spending than ever before. Failed in that regard. But when I started with the group of people I started with in California, the first two Tea Parties that I organized and spoke at, uh, hosted, man, we had no money. We didn't get money from any sources. No billionaires handed us dollars. It never ever happened. The advent of the of the Tea Party never had any of that stuff. Did it get co-opted, corrupted, messed, messed with later? Sure. I think that's absolutely acceptable to say. Not at the beginning. Not those original people. Not us. Not, not by a long shot. The second Tea Party, the Tax Day one, 2009, the stage was a piece of wood and two sawhorses. <laughs> the lights I purchased at Home Depot and the PA system was borrowed by a friend who's a wedding DJ. Tell me we were astroturf. Rolling in the dough. Right? <laughs> Tell me that we were, you know, getting getting paid for. And this is now the argument. I had not heard this until all of a sudden you see it in multiple places after these protests over the weekend. Oh, they're, they're bought and paid for. Michigan was first. Was that bought and paid for too? Well, that's the thing. If you have any group at all behind it, then it's, oh, it's bought and paid for. It's Who's the group behind it? The Michigan Conservative Coalition, which I had not really had heard of them before. I don't consider them a, a group that's just rolling in the coin, but I know plenty of uh, groups over the years that started a rally that had no money. The first the first Tea Party rally I ever t- attended and I, I spoke at was thrown by a group called New Patriot Revolution in Michigan. It was uh, a housewife and her friend. They didn't have any money. They just looked at each other. And and much like what you said with your early Tea Party days, they said, we have to do something. And so they put it together themselves, and there was no money behind it. Yeah, but I I never got contacted by Lonely Housewives, clearly. (laughs) Well, the day's young. Uh, But a lot of these rallies looked like tea party rallies and i think that's what the media seized on and they wanted to run with making this political and it's uh, we talked about this when you had me on your show last week 
I think one of the things that frustrates so many Americans is this one size fits all approach to fighting the coronavirus. In Detroit, let's let's take Michigan for example. In Detroit, they have more coronavirus related deaths in their main county, Wayne County, than Cook County in Chicago. Meanwhile, if you go to which the upper, has, yeah, which has Chicago, right? yeah, Chicago's six six million people in Cook County, over six million, one point seven million in Wayne County. If you look at the coronavirus map in the Upper Peninsula, there's a town called Sault Ste. Marie, Michigan. It's a lovely town in Chippewa County. Chippewa County doesn't even have a confirmed case yet of coronavirus. So why, if you're living in Chippewa County and you've had your business shut down? You're going to be very frustrated that you are being treated the same way as a hotspot like Detroit. So there's this frustration, and it shouldn't be political, like you said, but because some of these rallies had looked like the old Tea Party rallies, people are jumping into it with their political lenses on. Now, that's an interesting argument. That very, and, and this is true from the political right, when the Tea Party started getting into the idea of homeschooling. What the hell is the Tea Party doing talking about homeschooling? It's not that I disagree with homeschooling. We're talking about spending, right? We're talking about the Constitution. That's what the Tea Party was. And that's when I knew, okay, clearly things had grown past me, and that's just the way the way it is. I, I, I like focus. Very often, um, you'll see with conservative groups of this type, right, this activist type, that they're, they're yeah, we shouldn't be closed because of capitalism. And then all the other things. Just get the people who agree with you to be able to join you. Share in on that level. But they, they, there's, there's sometimes a problem with that. I, I wouldn't say that the left doesn't do it as well. They, they totally do it uh, as well. The women's march is to support all women, unless you're a conservative woman, in which case you're not welcome. Right. Right? So, so you see that in, in a lot of places. But the one size fits all. Something I've written about, something you've talked about, of course doesn't work. What the rational mind says it doesn't work, but here's what you get back. Well, we need to keep people safe and this thing spreads. And so you got to keep people indoors. We haven't even proven that keeping people indoors works. And to prove that point, there's three stories. The first one is about a homeless shelter, Pine Valley homeless shelter in Boston. They have 397 residents and in a test, 146 of them, 146 tested positive for coronavirus. That's 37% of the people Wow! in this homeless shelter. You know how many people exhibited symptoms? Zero. How? <sighs> out of 146, out of 397, no one exhibited a symptom, which starts you down the road of how many people out there have coronavirus and never had a symptom. They're asymptomatic. Right. This takes you to the town of Chelsea in Massachusetts, where they did a study. They took 200 people off the street and said, can we have your blood? It's like Monty Python. <laughs> can we have your liver? Um, and, and people are like, uh, sure. And so people gave the blood. A third of those people, 67. So it was 37% what I was talking about about the, about the homeless shelter. It's a third here, 32, 33% of the people tested positive for the antibodies of coronavirus. Stage three, San Francisco, a study by Stanford. Now, it's a small study, and there are ways to dissect it that are interesting. We'll get to that. What they discovered, 
is that what they thought was the original thought process of the amount of people who had coronavirus, which is over a thousand, just over a thousand, and you had 66 people die, which would give you a crude death rate of 3.4% or 4%, something like that. Well, no, 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 no. They're taking another look and they think the number of people who could be infected is somewhere between 40 and 80,000. Which means the amount of people who have coronavirus in one way or another is 50 to 80 times when you do their, their math. Higher than we think. It doesn't change the number of people who have died. That number is, is unfortunate. But the idea of the death rate, how many people in society die, goes from 3 to 4% down to the point percents. Half a percent, quarter percent kind of level. Three different studies, and all of them need to be looked at and checked again, that all send you in a place of, even if they're off, even if it's not um, 80% in, in that Stanford study, as uh, Jim Garrity wrote about it, National Review, uh, who's been on this show before, but it's really 10, 20% higher than they think. Even if it's only 10 to 20% higher than they think, it proves that more people are walking around with coronavirus than we know. You and I, Fingers, may very well have had coronavirus and be fine. Your family, my family, everybody else's family. And they had no symptoms. I know people anecdotally. He, the father, definitely had coronavirus. The kids definitely got sick, but they didn't bother getting them tested. They know it was coronavirus. No one needed a hospital. I know a woman whose husband is a doctor. She swears she had coronavirus. These are anecdotal, right? I'm not saying I'm a scientist. I'm saying it's anecdotal. We know these stories. You know these stories too. The amount of people who will tell you in December and January, man, did I have a flu. You know who tells the story? Corey, who is the owner of Blend Bar Cigar, where we usually record and we're going to be doing some great work with soon once we get back opened up. He'll tell you how sick he was in January. He's convinced this was it. So are a lot of other people. Once you start seeing this data and you realize how many people may very well have had something or may now have the antibodies because there's the test for whether or not you have coronavirus and then there's the test for whether or not you have the antibody. Two different tests. Well, what are we doing locking ourselves up in our homes if we've already done that and people still to these massive levels of a third? And by the way, I think that's a pretty big level. We didn't say 4%. We're talking 30%. 20% already have it. That's a stunning number. No, I've got uh, someone that I know personally in my family that swear she had it. And right. she went to get tested, and this was back in January. All the symptoms, fever, dry cough, chest congestion, difficulty breathing, short of breath, and they weren't e- – coronavirus wasn't even on the radar yet. And they – Tested her for the flu, came back negative, negative, patted her on the head and sent her home. And these, the cough lingered for five weeks and she didn't feel like she could shake it. I think that you're going to find more and more of these stories. But the thing that I'm really finding troubling, it's, it's, it's two things. One, the political aspect of this where people have just kind of gone along party lines. And if you look at the state of Michigan and you see the, the governor there, she's a Democrat. So anyone who supported, uh, Gretchen Whitmer in the election and their supporters of her even now, they think that this is fine. And then you've got, you know, conservatives 
uh, business owners that vote, did not vote for her. Um, you know, it, that, that whole protest, you know, it, it looks like went down party lines. But what really I'm finding disturbing now is how this narrative has changed from we need to flatten the curve to now it feels like, oh, we've got to eradicate the virus and nobody can have it before we can open things up again. And again, this moving of the goalposts that seems to be happening. And this is the political part, right? It seems obvious to observers that people want to see how much damage can be done because they think it'll help them politically. And I know people are going to be like, Tony, that's gross. Yeah, that's gross. Except I'm watching it like you are. Nancy Pelosi, last week, they ran out of money for the personal protection, uh, paycheck protection program, PPP, right? Getting small business money, the $350 billion. They need more money. Mitch McConnell, the, the, the Senate majority leader, the Republican, is like, here, let's put another $250 billion in. Democrats are like, nope. They want their programs and their things. So they don't figure it out in an hour and a half. It's a week. As we're recording this, they're supposedly close to a deal. I don't know if they have a deal or not. The deal's gonna, it's gonna do a little bit more for testing. Okay, fine. But you couldn't have done this last week. Instead, Nancy Pelosi is doing videos with James Corden on his show where she's in front of her sub-zero or Viking refrigerators. The things are thousands of dollars. She's got two of them. And she opens up her freezer to show all the chocolate ice cream that she has. The ice cream comes from a place called Jenny's. I have nothing against them whatsoever. I would love to try your ice cream. I just can't afford your ice cream (laughs) because it's $12 a pint. And she's got, what, eight, ten pints in there, whatever she's got? Can you afford $12 a pint ice cream? No. Why? Oh, uh, great value brand, $1.97. Right? Where do you get the great value? Is that a Walmart thing? Mm-hmm. Is that a Walmart thing? Yeah. Yeah, you could do better than that. <laughs> Somewhere in the middle, clearly, is the sweet spot. But it's unbelievable that she, there she is. We, she doesn't have to worry about money. She's got hundreds of millions of dollars. She doesn't have to worry about a dime. And she's showing off her $12 a pint ice cream while people who are your neighbors don't know how they're going to run their business. It's like Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter. Brian Stelter makes me pine for toxic masculinity. <laughs> so he does this two-part tweet. Where he's like, guys, I, I really did hit the wall and just seeing people who are sick and, and what I think of the government response and people who aren't sure what their futures are. I, I can appreciate that. I think, I think rational people can appreciate that. And he follows it up with another tweet saying, I crawled into bed and cried. And then he went on to something else. At that moment, it was over. Crawled into bed and cried. You're still getting paid. Journalists out there pushing, well, whatever it is they want to push, whatever Trump hate thing they've got, still getting paid. And by the way, there are plenty of things not to like about Trump. I don't think everything was handled perfectly. This testing stuff with the FDA and the CDC is beyond a debacle. The CDC testing reagents didn't work. Now you know that the labs were not up to snuff to be able to put together the kit, and that's why the reagent failed. People have got to get fired all over the place from the CDC and from the FDA, and Trump has to make sure it happens, and it has to happen today. This is insane. But Brian Stelter, who doesn't have to worry about his paycheck, is crying because, and in his words, journalists feel this. 
Meanwhile, your neighbor, which has had a family business, a little restaurant for a hundred years, wasn't able to get into the know and get themselves the, the, the PPP loan. And they've waited a week to get another bunch of money going. They still don't have it done. And they may be out of a whole family business. But, you know, the journalists are weeping. I have a friend who's a nurse. She's been, she's been working nonstop, it, it feels like. Every day she's worked for the past three weeks. Finally, she went home, had some drinks, and said, you know what, I, we don't care. Uh, me and my, my husband, we're going to hug each other for the first time in three weeks. I've got friends like that. i got friends that work for, for GM who are working in the, the Kokomo plant building ventilators. They volunteered to do it. Uh, the, 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 Do you know people who did that? Yes, I, I know people who did that. Uh, the the people who are the, the EMTs, the doctors, all all of those people watching this, and I, I'm I'm sure they're thinking to themselves, you know, who's the real heroes? The journalists, the 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 Brian Stelters of the world who spend their days getting their paychecks, uh, commenting on uh, a three minute segment on the five. Those are the real heroes, Tony. It's 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 not the the psychotic the psychotic psychotic and i i have never once thought man i'm really more important than everybody else i've never actually felt that a day in my life but this is nuts i by the way know how fortunate i am i know that i've got a, another contract that's been approved i know that on my radio career i keep working tomorrow right and the dollars keep coming in man i get it I get that I have no clue what that pressure is. Now, doesn't mean I don't know what pressure has been in the past. I've been broke. I've been unsure where my next uh, paycheck was going to come from. I've been unsure about how I was going to feed my kids. When I lived in California, when I lived in California, if it was not for Craigslist, my kids would not have had clothes. It's, It's not a doubt. My wife and I often discuss the fact that we lived in California for six years. And when things all went to hell in a handbasket about eight months in, we didn't go out to eat for the next five years and four months. Couldn't afford to. We never did it. We've been, we've done that sacrifice. Now, we also did everything but go bankrupt. Couldn't pay the bills, couldn't do anything, and then rebuilt ourselves because America is pretty fantastic. But America had a recession and I got hit, and I made three different business bets, and all of them went belly up. I mean, that's a rare, that's a rare trifecta. But it was my fault. This, this ain't nobody's fault. And Nancy Pelosi is going to eat ice cream. I mean, it is a really Marie Antoinette moment. Brian Stelter is going to crawl into the covers and cry. Oh, what a luxury for them! What does the business guy do? How does what does he do with his kids? If Brian Stelter is craw- crawling into his bed and crying, isn't somebody out there, isn't a mom out there crawling into bed, staring up at the ceiling and saying, how are we going to afford this ceiling next month? Those people matter. And when you're the journalist, cover the stories. Don't tell us about your pain. Uh, the other thing, too, and I know this is a lazy take, but I can't watch things like what happened with Nancy Pelosi eating her $13 a pint ice cream in front of her $25,000 refrigerator and not think to myself, man, if that were the first lady of the United States. If that was Mitt Romney. Yeah. It, right? When in 2012. Right. Exactly how out of touch he would have been. Yeah. Right? Binders full of women and, and freezers full of ice cream. Right? Right. 
But instead, you've got the smart set blue checkmark media folks on the left commenting uh, in ways like, oh, I love Jenny's ice cream, too. Oh. Right. Okay. Good, good on you. I didn't know. I have nothing against Jenny's ice cream. Nobody should have anything against Jenny's ice cream. If you can get $12 a pint, you go, girl. You get yourself some $12 a pint. But man, is it an ugly, ugly maneuver. It's an equally ugly maneuver to tell these protesters that they want people dead. Or that they're, they're mocking the dead. That happened. There's a, there's, a news, there's a magazine here in Indianapolis, and they actually wrote. They actually wrote that, uh, you know, while these protesters are out there and they weren't paying attention to CDC guidelines, flouting CDC guidelines, and they're braying about the governor, uh, donkey's bray. So you know what this magazine thinks of these people, right? There was another group of protesters. This is how it's written. The 500-plus Hoosiers, right? People from Indiana are called Hoosiers. They're not Indianans. We don't, we don't, we don't do that. Uh, we're called Hoosiers. And the 545 Hoosiers, uh, who, um, and, and I'm paraphrasing here, uh, according to uh, the state of Indiana, who have died, a straining for their very last breath while this group of protesters mocks them. Do you know, if I wrote that, the organizations that I write, that I have written for would have fired me. If I had come up with that take on radio, my program director may very well have suspended me. None of that is true. Saying that the Tea Party, or saying that these protesters are bought and paid for and not legit is untrue. It's just simply false. They are mocking the dead? There is not a piece of truth to that whatsoever, and yet they allowed this to be printed. You want to know how deep the rabbit hole goes, because one of the things coronavirus has definitely exposed, again, is that political biases are more important than news, than data, than truth, than facts, than decency, than humanity. It's more important. Your ideology is more important. Winning Beating Trump is more important. I didn't ask you what you thought about Trump because I don't care. There are plenty of things about Trump that drive me nuts. And I don't think he's handled these press conferences over the last two weeks well. He was doing great. And he decided to blow it up for whatever damn well reason. It doesn't mean the press hasn't been awful. They've been awful and daft and ignorant. And they don't, they don't want to report. They want to prove him wrong. That's, that's not the job. That's not, not, none of that matters. The data matters what's coming next where are we where are the tests where are the 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 masks where is the support this was the same media that told us we were all going to die because we didn't have ventilators and then lo and behold it turns out a ventilator might not be the best thing for people with coronavirus upwards of 50 percent of people on ventilators were dying because of ventilators because they were on the ventilator might not be the best course so now now New York shipping ventilators to other places. We need 30,000 ventilators. <laughs> and uh, I don't know, my Cuomo sounds like Bernie Sanders. <laughs> and now all of a sudden he's shipping out ventilators. So no, you didn't need all the ventilators. It was a lie. It was a lie that you moved and gaslit the American people to try and attack him, to try and destroy your political enemy. What are we supposed to damn well trust? And why would we trust anything or any organization or any body of work that says here are these protesters like there were all across the country oh and they're mocking the dead well that's what they do that's what they they, mock the dead no Uh, that's that's what media is in 2020 and it was before that when they mocked the tea party 
now you're seeing uh, the blue checkmark smart set on the left claiming that all these protesters want to do is go to Fuddruckers. That's, oh, Patton Oswalt. Yeah. That's all. Oh, geez. Oh, I'm sorry you can't go to Fuddruckers. Okay, that's that's really funny, Patton. You know, you're sitting back and you're a millionaire. And but it home. wasn't just that he said that. If the whole tweet says Anne Frank hid in her house for two years, but after a month of being home with Netflix and food on demand and video games, we have people who are demanding we open things up because Fuddruckers needs them. Yeah. If first Anne Frank didn't hide in her house because of a virus. She hid in her house because socialists were trying to kill her. Just so we're all perfectly clear. Second, if I can be so bold, the people who work at Fuddruckers would like to be able to make a living. Not everybody got to be on the shield. Not everybody got to be the voice of the Goldbergs. Not everybody has been successful as a comic or in your other pursuits. Good on you. Congratulations. Why do you hate these other people? Why would, why would you be such a prick? And the Anne Frank reference is just so ignorant and so low class. It is a shame when you learn that the people you think are bright actually aren't. Right. That is that is a terrible, terrible feeling. But yeah, see, if you work at Fuddruckers, you're just you're just a fool. And people who want to go to Fuddruckers, well, they just don't know any better. Anti-intellectuals. Yeah. They're not anti-intellectual. I keep thinking of the business owner in Chippewa County, Michigan. There has not been, and maybe it has changed since the last time I looked at the numbers, but here we are on, we're recording this on what? What's the date? Monday. It's the 20th. The 420th. It's weed day. Yeah, it's weed day. Not, 420 is the not, weed. My kids know that. They really like to share it with me. They, they like to Like know. share their weed with you? Yeah. Well, they, every time it's 420, they're like, Dad, Dad's 420. Yeah. And I'm like, I'm, I, I don't want to laugh, but I'm a terrible father already. <laughs> <laughs> Might as well put an end to it now. Just, ah, that's awesome. But the, the business owner in Chippewa County got a restaurant or got a sh- they have a shop in Sault Ste. Marie. It's 30,000 people in Sault Ste. Marie. It's No, it's not a big town, but it's not a town of, of 500 people. You had a successful business, and you're being told, you need to shut down. We're shutting you down. And the Patton Oswalds of the world think that you shouldn't be upset. And they're making it sound like, oh, you're just upset because you can't go to Fuddruckers. Should, what is this? Well, it, the disdain, the, the, the hate. And the best is he used Fuddruckers, right? Mm-hmm. On, on another side of this, Ruth's Chris got $20 million from PPP. And people are incensed. Why would Ruth Chris get this? Why? Oh, sure, these elitists. Well, you can't have it both ways. Ruth's Chris is a business, and that business employs people, and those people depend on tips, and there are no tips. Do you think it's easy to run those restaurants? People go, and all kinds of people go to Ruth's Chris, and you know they're not a sponsor of the show. I love what they do. I, they do one of the better steaks in America. Good on them. Them getting uh, money is not the end of the world. It's not a problem. Now, if other restaurants, the local restaurant in, in what was the name of the county? What was the name of the Chippewa place? County. In Chippewa County. If they couldn't get access to dollars because other businesses that are deemed more important by the banks did, that is World War III. We should fight that aggressively. It absolutely had to be first come, first served. It had to be. If there was special and uh, preferential treatment given, you should be angry about that. 
There's nothing wrong with Ruth's Chris and there's nothing wrong with Fuddruckers. It is an attitudinal problem from guys like Patton Oswald who think that the people who want to open it up are just wrong or weak. And the, the, the proof of that is his nonsense comparison to Anne Frank, not only not understanding history, not understanding the, the clear differences, but not caring that he understood the clear differences. It was just an easy prop to go after these people who are in a dire, dire place, and he doesn't give a damn. I can only assume based on, on what he said. But I got a question uh, for you. Now, we're, we're both smoking. I'm doing the Lito Gomez uh, number seven, right? We're not doing a new cigar. Oh, you're doing a new cigar. I yeah. didn't go with with a new cigar today. I went with something that I know and I've done before. This is a Dominican six and a half uh, by 52. So six and a half is six and a half inches long. Tee. And, uh, and 52 is the ring gauge, how thick it is around. Tee. I love that you laugh at those things. This is a full body Dominican all the way around. We spoke this for the first time um, just a few months ago. Uh, because it's it it doesn't come around uh, th- that often. Um, the reason I took it is that I knew I, I mean I we're doing the Seagrams, which actually isn't bad. Um, but as I, I, I've talked about this before, I have so gotten into coffee with my cigar, it's it's now become religion. And so there's a lot of espresso and coffee notes uh, in this thing, and I wanted to pair it with what I've got because I'm I'm drinking actually a Lavazza espresso roast uh, coffee. And so I wanted to see whether or not I can make some connections. And the answer is not in the slightest. I literally, <laughs> I literally can't see. It's not that it's bad, but I, I, I was kind of hoping I could find similar notes. But I think because I do my coffee with cream, mm-hmm. uh, in this case, it's not. I may have drowned out some of those notes. But the cigar itself, strong, a solid construction. This one is actually, you can actually see it. This one's a little veiny. You could actually really see the leaf imprint in this. Very, very well, which you can't always do. Um, and it's, it's, it's just the right touch of oily in, in a very fine grit sandpaper kind of way. Um, I'm, I'm getting sexual and I know that, uh, but it's, it's just terrific. Now you, you have failed me for the last time, young Scott. Uh, so I had been, uh, I want to try different things. I used to smoke cigars in the 90s, and my go-to was Punch. And Punch makes some good cigars. Punch makes a very good cigar. Uh, Their after-dinner cigar is less than $7 a stick, and last year it was in the top 25 of Cigar Aficionado's list of of, uh, of best cigars that you could buy. So I've been seeing acid cigars uh, pop up in in my feed, and... You know, you said it was made by Drew Estates. We've had uh, what Drew Estates cigar have we tried? When I so, enjoyed it, uh, the Ratzilla we've had. I'm a big fan of the T52, the number nine. Really, the Feral Flying Pig is one of my favorites. The Ratzilla is a stunning, stunning, stunning in my uh, estimation uh, cigar. If they wouldn't be so hard to deal with, if they would stop, they as as a marketing thing, they're they're hard to deal with. I mean, it, it's it, everyone says so. Uh, please, I'm not saying anything. You know, that's somehow shy. Stop being so tough to deal with, guys. Just offer up the damn cigars and move on yeah so acid cigars are made by drew estates like you said earlier this is the cuba cuba it's a five by 54 uh am i supposed to laugh uh, no you don't you don't have to we got Thank the teehees you. out of the way Good. uh look i there may be something going on with my humidor i unwrap this is the second cigar this has happened to me uh with in my humidor i have the packet and i've got the puck 
It's a very small. It's only a ten stick humidor. Uh, the wrapper is dried out. If you, if you see it there, okay, it is. But how long was it in your humidor? But it's only been in my humidor a week. Then that's not. It's not the humidor. Okay. No, no. I would. If it was also in plastic, I don't. I would not put it to the humidor as as the fundamental issue. There, it could have been a couple things. It could have been rattled around. It could have been uh, how it was handled before it got to you. Um, it could have been where you got it from, and maybe if you get it from a different place. If you've gotten two or three cigars that have this issue from the same place, it could be how they store their cigars. Okay, which can tell you maybe you got to check out another place. Right, right. I'm buying local, doing my best to buy local. Won't which name is the place. Great. Won't name the place. Uh, but the two cigars that I have had this issue with. Both been uh, two different cigars from two different places that I purchased them. Uh, I will say this. The draw is pleasant. It, look at my ash. Right. Haven't had a problem yeah, with it. the sweetest ash. Uh, but this is an infused cigar, Tony. All acids are infused cigars. Infused with flavor. Yeah. And... Ugh. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, honestly... This oh, that's so awesome! How disappointed are you at this moment? I'm Does pretty, it not go with your Seagrams? Well, no, it goes with the Seagrams. But to me, this brings me back to when I was 19 years old and didn't know any better, and I would go to the horse races and I would pick up some Swisher sweets and sit <laughs> watching the ponies and thinking I'm a grown up smoking a cigar because I mean, look, that was all I could afford. Mm-hmm. Uh, this has a very cherry-like flavor to it that, you know, I've had some of these after-dinner cigars where someone hands it to me and I start smoking it and it's like, oh, this this tastes like vanilla. What am I, is this supposed to be coffee? No, it's a cigar. Uh, look, so I'm, I'm, in, I'm enjoying the experience. Look, it's a beautiful day. Gorgeous. If somebody handed me this cigar and said, I got a cigar for you, I would smoke it. I don't hate it, but it's 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 not okay. what I expect in a cigar experience. And I have found where my rubber meets the road. If someone handed me that cigar, I'd be like, oh, no, thank you. I smoke cigars. If you didn't have a cigar, no cigar at all. I wouldn't, not if my life depended on it, would I smoke it? Really? Absolutely not. I wouldn't do that to myself. It's not, not that, it's not that bad. It, it, it's not it, bad. It's, it's absolutely not what I want. I don't smoke for the sake of smoking. I smoke for the sake of enjoyment. Yeah. And so I, I refuse to, to, to less myself. I had this conversation with somebody about the nub. So the nub is a very, very short cigar. They're wonderfully done. They are delicious. I don't enjoy the nub. It's too small. I smoke at a fast rate. I smoke faster than, than others around me. I've always known this. Um, and, and sometimes it gets me to, into a problem. I've noticed that every now and then I'll be having a cigar and I'll get this ammonia taste. I've had it from all different kinds of cigars. I'm like, what the hell? You don't get that? It got explained to me. Richard, the cigar expert uh, at Blend Bar Cigar, Indianapolis, Nashville, Houston, Pittsburgh, BlendBarCigar.com. Um, it's too hot. Okay. You're smoking too hot. You got you to gotta find an easier move through it. And I'm like, yes, okay. I can understand that now because it was impossible. That all these different types, I would just be the guy unlucky enough to get something that had this like a really ammonia taste. Too much heat. I was smoking it too fast. I was bringing it in too much. There was something going on with me and how I'm doing it. Or it's how I'm approaching it. Like, for example, um, there are some people who will smoke a cigar almost, almost like they're blowing a trumpet. Like they bring their lips together and then they put the cigar to their lips. Not me. I'm in. Mm-hmm. I'm in, my teeth go on it, and then 
and then I I I, I do do the inhale and, and let it toast the palate. I'm really glad you said that because I was out here the other night. Uh, you know, we're in central Indiana here. The weather is perfect today. Saturday, I came out here and I lit up a uh, Nat Sherman Timeless. Great cigar. Yep. And, Which is your go-to cigar. Yes, I love it. And so I got uh, to the, the final third, and it was getting really cold outside. So I started puffing on this thing like a madman because i didn't want to just throw my cigar i was like well i want to enjoy this but i was getting that mm-hmm. ammonia did you yes and i thought to myself well is this a bad cigar i've never had this happen Ew. before but i was I, uh, I i'm assuming i'm hitting this like snoop dog hits a bong i mean i'm just like sucking on this thing and every three seconds I'm you are not it. hitting this like snoop dog because you eventually finished mm-hmm. See, there's yeah, the, there's yeah. the difference. But uh, well, that's interesting. That's good to know that it wasn't necessarily it's a cigar, but how you're enjoying the cigar, and if you're trying to make the moment go too change. fast. So, for example, something I don't do with a cigar that others do, and I just I don't know how they find enjoyment in it. It's the retrohale, right? They they kind of bring it back in. I don't know how you do that. I don't I don't know if I'd ever want to do that. Like there are different flavors that you can get mm-hmm. out of it. I. May, maybe I should practice no, explain that. Explain that a little bit more. No, I, no, just just the, the the idea that you know you you you've got the smoke in and you kind of you know as you're bringing it out you kind of bring it back in. It's the best way I could describe it. Someone could describe it better than me. They they really and truly. So they could. exhale, but then they bring it back in for a second. I'm, I'm second go around. Yeah, it, it it's 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 the weirdest it's the weirdest kind of of of, of thing. I, I don't even know how I would describe it. Um. It's like bringing the cigar in through the nose almost and then back out. I, I don't know how to do that. I, I, I don't know if I want to do that. It's, it's, it frightens me. Right. <laughs> you know? It really and truly does. Yeah. There's nothing worse than when you are exhaling a cigar, but you accidentally breathe in too quick and you get some of that back in and then you end up coughing. And people are like, amateur, and you're like, screw you. Right, you know? right. It was an accident, I swear. Um, so I, there are things that I don't do because they're just of not of interest to me, but learning that it, the problem is the way I smoke and I've actually been practicing trying to change the way I smoke this car. I wanted to ask you about the XFL mm-hmm. and about sports in general, right? Because, um, the XFL folded up shop and, uh, the XFL is Vince McMahon's thing, right? You saw it back in the. Early 2000s? Was it earlier than that? Oh, it was earlier than, that. earlier than that. It was in the late 90s. Right, with He Hate Me and, and all that jazz. And it didn't go anywhere. Well, the American Alliance football tried to come back, and they couldn't make it, which was really sad because they've got real football pros doing that. And I, want, and I thought they played some pretty damn good football. Mm-hmm. The XFL guys, they were playing some pretty good football. One of the stars of that league is a guy who has been on the scout team for the Indianapolis Colts for years, Philip Walker. He was the star. Colts guys were going down to watch him play. The star of that league. And then coronavirus hits. And now they're shut down. Yeah. And there are people like, yep, you see, you can't create a competitor to the NFL. Do I blame the XFL or do I blame coronavirus? Because I blame coronavirus. I think the XFL could have made it. I don't know if they'll even be able to have a chance to come back again. It's difficult, but I can't imagine it's impossible to create another league. No, this is all about timing. I mean, they the first XFL didn't make it because ESPN and other sports networks didn't get behind it. They thought it was you know it was wrestling right. guy running it. They wouldn't even put a line on the you know. But this time around, they did it in a more legit way. I watched the XFL 
a couple of times and I sat back and I enjoyed the football. I was like, it's one of those things, just like we were having a conversation earlier about cigars where you said, I don't, I would never smoke this. To me, minor league football, competitive minor league football is better than no football at all. So I watched the XFL and enjoyed the XFL knowing what I was getting into when I was watching it. Okay, this is not the Patriots versus the the Chiefs, okay? But it's competitive football, and they had interesting rules that were different than the NFL. Uh, the kickoff rule was different. Uh, and you know the way that uh, you there was no extra point. You you had different conversions based on when you where you elected to do your your conversion. Right. Uh, some interesting things. One of the things, one of the complaints that people have about the NFL is they've gotten stale and boring, and they aren't willing to take risks. I liked what the XFL was doing. I talked to a lot of people who like the NFL. Who liked the XFL? This is all a, a, a problem and an issue with timing. They picked the worst possible time to launch because the coronavirus completely took any momentum away. They had to shut well, down. They picked a fine time to launch. They just got this. Just happened, right? This right. is just awful. This is coronavirus related. This is not the product that they mm-hmm. put on. The you like the product that they? Put yes, on the field. I did. Um. There is talk, and have we talked about Major League Baseball coming back? No, we have not. So there's this conversation. I think it's fascinating, man, because I think America will buy in in no time. As much as I think people want to open, there's also uh, people just like me who want to open who understand that maybe some things have to change just for this year. And, and it may just have to change because people are so completely nuts that they want to be uh, lawsuit proof. So it's the idea of NFL games playing without crowds. And in Major League Baseball, here's what they're considering. They're considering the idea of taking the, the, the teams and bringing them all to Arizona. And because uh, spring training takes place in Arizona in, and Florida, they have all over Arizona diamonds that can handle it. And they'll play the entire season with all the teams in Arizona. And then they'll have the big games where, you know, where the Diamondbacks play. And they'll play the other games all around. No crowds. Just the games. Everybody and their mother is going to watch. Absolutely. It's, I, it, it, it's a fine idea. I saw another... Because they want to limit the travel and the interactions and everything else. That's why they want to put it all in one place. I saw another proposal where the Cactus League... That's what they call the right. the league in, there's grapefruit, in Arizona. There's cactus, and the, and the, the avocado league. Yes, the grapefruit league. They play in Florida. They were going to split it up. There was going to be no American League, no National League. There was going to be the grapefruit league and the cactus league, and they would play each other. And then the World Series would be the winner of the cactus league versus the grapefruit league. And I saw some interesting divisions where they had the Yankees in the same division with the Tigers and the Phillies. And I think if if someone so for baseball people, it's like this is the coolest thing ever. Yeah, it's like I for, okay, for the for purist, the, it's terrible. Yeah, for the purist, it's terrible. But I would hope that most purists would be adults. They will be. They will be. <laughs> and and it, this is like okay, if this is like a one year thing, what an interesting experiment. And if it brings baseball back to where we aren't watching six year old college football games on ESPN, we're actually watching something in the moment. People are gonna assign this. Okay, yep, I'm gonna Hold watch on a this. Second. 
Do people watch the Little League World Series like it's their job? <laughs> they love it, adore it. The way ESPN, and for all the problems politically ESPN has had, and they've clearly, for the most part, figured that out, and they have uh, decided not to go that route, except for some, some of the radio guys. People, The way they cover Little League Baseball is tremendous. Yep. It is so much fun. And those games are fun. Those games are good. Remember, if you would cover women's softball, people would watch because you they make it good and the the game is 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 really good the WNBA right which is having their i think just had their draft just having their draft uh, this week and the NFL is having their draft this week the WNBA on TV is not something i can watch have you ever been to a WNBA game no okay i don't make the argument that the WNBA could not survive without the NBA I don't make the argument that 20 years later they still can't survive without the NBA. I'm saying that they have to have the NBA. They are nowhere near being an organization that can really do it on their own, although I know people who are trying. I literally know the people. The WNBA, if you're seeing it in person, is really good. Mm-hmm. It's re- it, it is a physical game. It's really good. It is like the difference. If you watch the NBA on TV, you can watch some fun games. If you are there... And you happen to be lucky enough to be at the court side. And you see that you and I have done this together yes. here with the Pacers. Yeah. That's cool. It is, it, the game is so much different how big, how physical, how much they see, and how they're able to. It's remarkable. So WNBA is one of those things that if you see in person, you're like, okay, I can appreciate that. There are some sports that I still don't think people would watch. If the WNBA right now started playing games, people would watch. But it's just it does not necessarily capture the imagination. Literally baseball does. I think women's softball absolutely positively does. So there are the, there's these unique things. Uh but this baseball thing could work, right? Oh, I think People so. People would buy in. Absolutely. And it's, you know, you talk about how it is dif- it is different being on the side. I mean, I have you ever been on the sideline of an NBA, an NFL game? It is yes. It is unbelievable yes. the the speed of the game. I mean, NFL is really built for television, but you don't get the ex- fan experience that you can sit down in, in front of a big screen watching it. But man, being on the sideline watching it, it's such a different experience, and you don't realize just how fast the game is mm-hmm. unless you're on the sidelines. But you're gonna we're gonna start seeing this, Tony. The PGA Tour, they're going to fire things up again. They're going to go and play golf. They're the easiest ones to do it. Yeah. Golf's the easiest because you don't need the crowd there at all. But what's going to be bizarre, and we'll get to the NFL in a second, you're, you're seeing sports that really – well, I shouldn't say sports <laughs> when, I'm about, when I'm about to say this. But seeing the WWE have events – Wrestling with no crowd. Wrestling so much of if you are a wrestling fan, and I was in, you know, when I was a kid, and I got a little bit into the Attitude Era, the WWE. You're a snooker guy. Yeah, yeah, yeah Superfly. Superfly? Yeah, yeah, the Brooklyn Brawler. Uh, but he was not the Brooklyn Brawler. <laughs> no, I grew up in the in the age of of Georgia Championship Wrestling of Gordon Soley. Oh, Gordon Soley was the best, the, the, the absolute best. Tommy Wildfire, Rich, and and Rowdy Rowdy Piper. I saw uh, I, Mad in, Dog Buzz Sawyer in Michigan. WCW was big. It was George Championship Wrestling back when I saw uh, they came to Saginaw, Michigan. Jake the Snake Roberts, 
the uh, Ivan Vol- Ivan Volkov. Yeah. Uh, and uh, I, I don't think Nikolai Volkov was there, but uh, t- Wildfire Tommy Rich. Uh, I mean, my God, Ric Flair. I mean, mm. it doesn't get any better than Ric Flair. But to 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 try to have wrestling and it, it, wrestling isn't what it used to be in front of an empty arena is just bizarre to watch but it's going to be interesting when the NFL kicks off because so much of the NFL is based on home field advantage and you're going into Lucas Oil Stadium and you're the Tennessee Titans and you got to deal with the crowd and uh, the crowd noise we may have Kansas opening City w- Kansas crowded. City Seattle you're going to have there's a good possibility we're going to have NFL games kick off on time no crowds how bizarre is that going to be? And how much is that going to take away the home field advantage where it's just going to, it's going to almost feel like they're playing on a neutral site, but people are going to tune in. People are going to tune in. Do they, I'm going to turn the draft. I'm so, listen, a Lions fan. <laughs> Hold on. The that's NFL. Funny yeah, right. The NFL, the, the Super Bowl. What are you? You're still like Hope Springs Eternal. Where's, oh, yeah. where's the tattoo? Where where is it? Oh, oh look at it! Look at that lion tattoo. I got this on the right forearm. The year, or the right, uh, right upper arm. Right before the kickoff of the 0 and 8 uh, 0 and 16 season, I got this tattoo. So <laughs> yeah, that's how pathetic I am. But uh, listen, the NFL draft. Thank God they're doing the NFL draft this year, and it's going to actually be a fun twist. Where if you are a fantasy football guy this is going to be like a fantasy football draft they're going to be doing it on zoom and it's going to be crazy to watch how they do it and the nfl has done a good job of giving the american people a little bit of a distraction where okay we could talk about the nfl we can talk about free agency we can talk about the nfl draft coming up but it's going to be very very weird to go to a sports bar because I think sports bars I, I I think we're trending unless something happens or at least trending to where restaurants and bars may be open on a limited basis in September. I think we you could we could kind of agree on that, right Tony? Unless unless something unforeseen happens. The rest of the rest of the bars are going to be empty? Or, no, they'll probably be open in September. Yes, they'll be uh, so, please. So you're going to have not even funny. So you're going to have sports bars watching NFL games, TVs all over. You're going to have the sports bar fan experience with social distancing or whatever we come up with in September, watching games with no fans in the stadium. So it's going to be so bizarre to so watch. Do you? In in we live in a world where you can do anything, right? The technology allows us to do almost anything. Do you pipe in crowd noise? I don't think you can. Because how would you regulate that? Because that's one of the things. The Lions in the in the nineties. The Pontiac Silverdome, it was considered one of the loudest places for visitors to come in. And they were accused of piping in crowd noise, even though you had 80,000 underneath the Teflon roof. And uh, St. Louis, when the Rams were playing there, they were uh, accused of piping, you know, having a, a field mic open and the extra noise coming in through the speakers of the fans. I don't know how the NFL regulates. Okay, uh, you can have a certain decibel level of fan noise if you are the home team. I don't know how you... Because then you have certain situations like the the Chargers, the L.A. Chargers right now. Sounds so dumb. Yeah, I know. It sounds stupid. L.A. Chargers sounds so dumb. Their home games are essentially opposing teams' fans showing up. In their home stadium, if, you, if they play the Cowboys, it's all Cowboys fans. Right. If it's if it's Raiders, it's all Raiders fans because the Los Angeles, even though you know there is a little bit of a footprint for the Chargers in L.A., 
L.A. has not embraced the Chargers. So how do you, as the NFL, say, okay, well, the Chargers, you can have a home field advantage and pipe in crowd noise? And, and if you're the Cowboys coming in there saying, well, wait a minute, if this were a normal game, the, the stadium would be filled with our fans. I mean, how do you, I, I don't know if, they, if it will be possible for them to do it in a fair way where they could say, okay, the home team could pipe in crowd noise when the opposing team has the ball. One of the places that is already planning its opening is Vegas. You are you are a Vegas guy. We talk about sports. Sports in Vegas go hand in hand. You who who goes, mm-hmm. you who enjoys. Mm-hmm. Um, let's say May first comes and Vegas is like we're open. Now it might not be then, although I would like that for them. Um, it doesn't mean you have to go. Them opening doesn't mean you have to go. Now there's going to be a whole other thing with employers, with the reality that some employees are going to be like. Dude, I'm immun- immunocompromised. I can't. I can't. And I think employers are going to have to accept the fact that they're going to have to give people time to get back to work, and which is fine because not everybody's going to show up at once. One of the things about opening restaurants and opening all these other things, it's not like people are going to flood in, and you could still have distancing. You can have restaurants that decide we, you know, and say reservation only. That way, you can keep uh, keep things going at a at a proper pace just like they do for people walking into Costco or walking into a supermarkets and all these things that the market figured out they didn't need government to figure it out for them because neither you or I are people who deny science we understand that there's an issue out there right. but the issue is happening to certain groups of people the issue is clearly happening to people who are 60 and older in the main and it's not something that you shut down society for but there are plenty of reasons for people to take care of themselves so these employers are going to open back up. They're going to have to give employees some room. They're going to have to, as I see it, and not even from a government side, the employers are going to have to tell people, okay, your job will be here waiting for you. Now, they may have to hire some other people, but some of those people aren't going to come to work because they're getting an extra $600 to stay at home. I know un- untold amounts of employers who know they're not going to get their people back right away. Well, that's where I was headed with this, and I want to be very careful when I say this because I'm not talking about the people who have their immune systems compromised. But that's what's going to be so challenging in this age of a government deciding to put their economy into an induced coma is how are we going to get everyone on board to say it's time to go back to work? I'm not talking about the people who have an immune system compromised, but what about the people who are sitting back right now and they're getting that extra $600 from the feds on top of their unemployment? And they may even be making more money by sitting at home than working. Is it going to be easy to get these people... To say, you know what, I, I yeah, I'm ready to go back to work in the middle of spring, the beginning of summer, and they're sitting home, and they're, they're you know, some of them maybe getting almost a thousand dollars a week. I want to believe that everyone will be at that point saying, well, I, I'm ready to go back to work, okay, but I'm going to take a pay cut to go back to work, but I'm ready to go back to work. It's going to be very difficult to get some people. Some people may be sitting back on well. Why should I go back to work? I'm making more money now. No, lots of people are going to do that. Lots of people are going to. It's not some. Lots of people are going to do that. But I bring up Vegas because when Vegas does open, here's the question. Are you going? Yes. Here's what I'm not going to do. 
And and to be fair, I didn't do this while Vegas was open. Uh, how are the buffets going to change? There will not be buffets. Guaranteed your money back. Absolutely, positively, there will not be buffets. There are some Vegas buffets that are over $100, Tony. Yes. Ahead. You go, you get the seafood buffet. They've got caviar. You get fillets. Uh, it is an experience. Champagne, as much as you want to drink. Are you, am I going to say, yeah, you know what? I want to go grab a ladle. <laughs> no. That and no 60 one will. other people have just grabbed in the last hour. And so much of the Vegas experience is the buffets. So much of our lives and how businesses are run is going to be radically changed. And I, I hate being in the moment too many times, you know, after 9-11, people say, oh, our lives have been changed forever. And then a couple of years, things go back to, to normal. I don't know if this changes, Tony. I don't know if people are going to say, you know what? Oh, uh, I I really want to go back to, to doing the buffet lifestyle. Yeah. So, there, I mean, plenty of people are talking about the fact that this will change America uh, more than uh, the Spanish flu of 1918. I, I don't doubt that at all. There are some things that, honestly, if they change, are not the worst thing in the world. In that, okay, we don't. The, your buffets are going to have a problem, and not just Vegas buffets. Buffet restaurants are going to have problems. Now, I've I when I was in college, sure, I did that stuff. I don't do that stuff as an adult. But there, are, here in Indiana, there are places that are famous, famous uh, Gray's Cafeteria and and some other places that do that. Oh, they may not have a business anymore. Because culturally, people be like, yeah, I don't do that. That's too much of a risk. But what about the very concept of being in the casino? You you have joked many times that you'll sit down at a slot machine because you'll do this for hours. And so oh, yeah. I don't even understand how it's possible. It just doesn't make any sense. Um, but there is some woman. Beautiful thing. There is some woman there smoking her cigarette, playing her slots, coughing, mm-hmm. doing the whole thing. <clears throat> You gonna feel good about sitting next to that person? How do you keep those slot machines clean? I, I didn't feel good sitting next to that person before. <laughs> That's why I would always have a jack on the rocks while I'm doing it and smoking a uh, a cigar. But yeah, I mean, look, we've had this conversation before about the the fight for fifteen movement and how so much of the fast food restaurants now are saying, "Well, okay, we'll switch over to kiosks." Yeah. The casino is nothing but kiosks, except if you're playing craps or blackjack. Mm-hmm. You are sitting in front of a machine that you're touching like crazy. The right. buttons, the buttons that haven't been cleaned since the Clinton administration. And, they're, and people are hitting these buttons all over again. And they got the cig- cigarette cough and they're <laughs> and going right back and hitting the buttons again. You did that very, very well. Thank you. <laughs> like a man who has heard it before. So am I going to go and... And play, uh, you know, when I when I have some drinks, I, I play video poker. I, I stay away from blackjack. I like to play blackjack. But when I start playing, when I go to, uh, am I going to go to Vegas again? Absolutely. Am I going to play the machines? Yes, I'm going to. You know what else I'm going to do? I'm going to have hand sanitizer on me. And I'm going to hit the hand sanitizer every once in a while. I'm going to. Does the casino change? And does the casino now offer everybody hand sanitizer? Has to. It and has does to the happen. casino have wipes at every place? How many wipes can you have? And does the casino have a staff that comes every half hour and just cleans all the machines? I mean, they're going to have to. I mean, they're going to have to reassure the gambling public that we're open for business and we're- gambling public. Absolutely. If that's not a website by the end of the day, <laughs> the gambling public. The gambling public. There are going to be. 
no doubt in my mind where you have the trash bin at the end of the bank of machines right next to the trash bin going to be hand sanitizer they're going to have to do that they're going to have to have staff that normally would be going around saying something to drink friends something to drink friends cocktails 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 it'd be hand sanitizer hand sanitizer hand sanitizer orange whip orange whip orange yep. whip it's going to be that it, they're going to have to because it's vegas it's, it's, and that's it's, just it. they've shut an entire city down that's their entire industry for the most part is gaming and, and the mayor there carolyn goodman is like we got to open up this is nuts this is ridiculous she gave this eight minute speech at a, at a city town council meeting whatever you want to call it uh was like, this is this is insanity what we're doing is insanity we can't afford to do this uh, anymore i don't think we could have afforded to do it from the beginning but those things some of those things are going to have to adopt different practices. Would make, you go? Uh, yes, I would. But they're going to have to adopt different practices to make that gambling public feel comfortable. The buffet, culturally, yeah, that's over. Now, it might not be over 10 years from now. It might be back 10 years from now. But for the next few years, it's over. And the buffet restaurants, the golden corrals of the world, yeah, it's over. It's over. They're going to have to change to being restaurants. And if people want more of something, they're just going to have to order it. It's going to come to the table in a cook-to-order style, if you will. So what do you think is going to happen to those buffets, though? I mean, they're going to try to open back up. They're do you think try- that everyone is going to be given a glove and say you have nope. to use a glove when you pick up your food? And I, I, So there's an example of something that isn't the fault of government, isn't the fault of anything but coronavirus, and it has changed people. I don't think the buffet places survive. I don't think there's one of the things that I think you'll see go by the wayside if it hasn't already. All of those quick serve places that have the soda fountain, yeah. where you—that's all done. Would you trust a fountain soda now? No. And I and fountain soda is better. One of the things I enjoy doing when I go to Costco is going to the little cafeteria that they have at Costco, and you can get the dollar fifty hot dog, greatest hot dog in the history of mankind. And then you walk up to the onion gun. That's over. The onion gun. The onion gun, where you turn the crank. Not a right. euphemism. Like you turn school. the crank, and you got your <laughs> hot dog underneath. And God only knows, you know, you got kids that put their hot dog too close, and they already put mustard on the hot dog, and there's mustard on the hot dog gun. And all, and you're just putting those hot dog, or those onions on the hot dog. Over. Who's going to want to do that? Uh, if if these places continue to do this with the, uh, with the uh, drinks, the ones who have the lids just sitting there, like the coffee, that's all over. It has to be these dispensed by the one, or you're going to have to go up to a counter and get them. Yeah. So there are things that are going to change because the American people will demand it, and culturally they have to, because otherwise you're not going to do it. My days of getting a coffee from – now, I've gotten coffee throughout this in supporting local places, right? I, I have not shied away from that. But the idea of going to a convenience store and getting it, or a convenience store and getting a soda, that's over. Yeah. it's just, So I was questioning whether you would go to Vegas. But, oh, the buffet thing? The buffet thing is done. I, I, I just – you know, look, I'm a middle-aged man. There are certain things I'm just not willing to give up. Do you consider yourself a middle-aged man? Am I a middle-aged man? I've never thought of myself that way. We're the same age, too. Do you, Holy do cow. You, do you care about your lawn, Tony? Do you, do you, care? Do you want to talk about what I'm doing with my lawn? <laughs> You're a middle-aged man. Son of a bitch. <laughs> Son of a bitch. It happened. It I, creeped up on you. 
I every time I go for a walk with my wife, which we we, we do often, my lawn I can't get it to grow. There's a dandelion issue. There's a there's a cre- creeping Charlie. There's like this weed that has gone through, and the people aren't doing a job. I just brought somebody else in to finally start getting the job done. I'm like, I'm gonna I'm gonna rip it all out. I'm gonna put sod. I'm gonna rip it all out because I have this dream of what I want to do, but like I don't want to spend that money, so I'm gonna rip it all out and put sod. And I found somebody's like, no, we think we can fix this. It'll take four to six months, but we think we can fix this. For like, all right, let's take that shot before we get into this idea of the multi-thousand dollar project uh, for sod. So I didn't realize that was the uh, determination. Okay, I'm a, I'm a middle aged I'm a middle aged man. Yeah, I I you you're damn at, you're you're here at the you just uh, ruined me Casa de Fingers, and I built this house 20 years ago, and I closed on it in on July 1st, and I was a young man, didn't know much about lawns. It was my first lawn that I really had to take care of, and they laid the sod in uh, July 1st. So, <laughs> you didn't water it. Did oh, you? I watered it, but I mean, ninety-five degree day. They're, they're out there. My front yard is a complete disaster, and I've tried everything. I, I put seed on it the beginning of this year, and as soon as I put seed down, dandelions started popping up, and I can't put weed and feed down because I just put seed down. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, I'm a I'm a middle aged guy because I'm worried. I'm I'm obsessed with my front yard. We're now, a cigar and, and like bourbon garbage. podcast, and we just start to. Uh, I <laughs> I apologize. Um, the Seagrams. Is this something that's in your liquor cabinet? Or are you just going to finish that bottle? I'm going to finish that bottle. But I listen, I will say this. Uh, I never, ever considered myself a whiskey snob, other than there's only one flavor of whiskey, and it's whiskey-flavored whiskey. I don't like infused whiskey. <laughs> um, so, you know, the fireballs, the, oh, uh, Crown Royal has an apple whiskey you need to try, or Jim Beam has a maple. No, thank you. Don't. By the way, have you ever tried the Crown Royal caramel, salted caramel? No. It's unbelievable. It's so good. Tony, it is you're so. Breaking, you're breaking my heart. It's also Crown Royal. It's not something that I'm gonna. I'm gonna do. You know. I. I have no problem with people altering the whiskey to make it okay here's a uh like a manhattan i mean a manhattan is it's it's whiskey but then you put the sweet vermouth in it you right. do things to it i just have a problem with the uh, oh you've got to try this maple whiskey i made the mistake one time i had a uh, jim beam maple i was sneaking it into a tigers game because i'm high class <laughs> and so i put it i I, I, I had like four airplane bottles of this whiskey and i poured it into a coke and my my coke tasted like a waffle i don't want that i don't understand it but uh, this whiskey here, I, I've always had uh, uh, my reviews generally are, yeah, I drink that, or no, I wouldn't drink that. Right, I drink that. I'm gonna, I'm gonna drink that on the rocks every once in a while and enjoy it. I, I was surprised when we did the cognac a few weeks ago, how much I enjoyed the cognac on ice with a splash of water in it to take some of the, you know, it was very sweet, that cognac we had a few weeks ago. A little bit of water, open it up, some ice, let it melt, sip on it with a cigar. Mm-hmm. Really, really, didn't, really, really, really enjoyed it. I'm not it. a mixed drink guy, but a Manhattan is rye, just so you know. No. Manhattan is rye. No. It's not? No. I'm staring at a recipe right here. I had to double check You myself. can make it with rye, but you can make it with... I thought a Manhattan was always rye. Mm-mm. A Manhattan is rye. What's the other one? An old, there's an old-fashioned. There's an old-fashioned, but you can also make a Manhattan without rye. You can? Yeah. can if you're a communist. <laughs> Fingers <laughs> Malloy. But this, I, I, would, I would drink this. You, you would, would you? Would you? Uh, honestly. I would not turn it down. No. I, w- I would do a Seagram's now. Yeah. 
That, that, and I'm uh, shocked. Ple- pleasantly surprised. I'm shocked. Pleasantly surprised. Fingers Malloy, fingersmalloy.com is where you find all the things that he is doing. Find me on Facebook, Tony Katz Radio, Twitter and Instagram, Tony Katz and TonyKatz.com. Have you subscribed to the podcast? Because if not, I don't know. What else are you doing? It's not like you're leaving the house. Subscribe. Eat, drink, smoke. Apple Podcasts. Do it now. It's on Stitcher. It's on Google Play. It's everywhere where fine podcasts are sold. But find it on Apple Podcasts. Write a review. Five-star review. Do it immediately. By the way, I didn't mention Fanimation, our fantastic sponsor, because we were outdoors. Right? I, for, for some reason, I didn't bring But don't you that. feel like being outdoors, it's like we have a Fanimation fan right. circulating it, it happens to be blowing. Night. The, the breeze has been absolutely beautiful. Incredible ceiling fans you are going to love. You've been staring at that crap ceiling fan since you've been home. You can fix that with a Fanimation fan. Go to Fanimation.com. Fanimation.com. Did you go to Fanimation.com? You subscribe to the podcast on Apple Podcasts. You go to Fanimation.com and you get a ceiling fan. Love these people. Remind me to give them extra love online because I, I basically forgot. The Seagram's threw me off. That's all there is to it. This is Eat, Drink, Smoke.